Welcome back to Spoiler Free Wrestling, everyone. I'm your host, Gentleman Ian, and by the end of this show, you will be completely up to date on everything that's making headlines in the world of professional wrestling. But since we are spoiler free wrestling, we will avoid any news or reports which could potentially spoil future storylines, angles, match results, or more for you. If you appreciate this type of wrestling coverage, please don't forget to subscribe, click the like button, and follow us on social media. All right. I'm drinking coffee, there's snow on the ground, I haven't brushed my teeth yet, and I might have to take a break to poop. Let's get into the wrestling news, and we will start with something that broke yesterday, although I think it's been going on for a couple of months now. WWE's Mustafa Ali took to Twitter yesterday and wrote the following. He said, I have a message that is much bigger than my dreams in pro wrestling. Despite my best efforts, I will not be able to deliver this message while working with WWE. Therefore, I am requesting my release from WWE. So, Mustafa Ali, he's been there since 2016, since the start of the Cruiserweight Classic and 205 Live. He sort of worked his way up from being a 205 Live regular to a guy who was on the main roster. They gave him a shot at leading the Retribution Stable for a little bit. Maybe not much of a shot, but they gave him one. Uh, and now he is requesting his release from, from WWE. So there's a, there's some strangeness here. And there's something clearly that we don't know. Because he hasn't been on WWE programming since October. He was on an episode of SmackDown and he lost to Drew McIntyre, I think on like October 30th or something like that. On the October 29th episode of SmackDown. It's like, okay, so they've decided they're not going to use him. But they haven't released him. Because, like, think of all the people that have been released. They did two rounds of cuts in November. Mustafa Ali wasn't cut. He wasn't one of the ones released during those big mass roster cuts that they did. And if he's now out publicly requesting his release, I would have to imagine that he's privately requested it by this point as well. And with all the people that WWE is releasing, they've decided, no, we're going to hold on to Mustafa Ali. We're not going to use him, but we're going to keep him under contract. And you have to kind of ask yourself, well, why? Why is that happening? Like, take a look at Tony Storm. A few weeks ago, Tony Storm said, you know what? I think I'm done. I want to quit. And they were like, sure, all right, fine. We'll grant you your release. They're not really holding on to talent like they used to. Like they, like before AEW came around and they started doing all these mass cuts, WWE would just, if they weren't going to use you, they'd just hold on to your contract and prevent you from going somewhere else. But they don't do that anymore. They're more than happy to release people and let them go to AEW uh, or Impact or, or GCW or any other place that they want to go. But that's not happening with Mustafa Ali. He hasn't been around in two and a half months, hasn't performed on WWE programming in two and a half months, has publicly requested his release, which leads me to believe he's privately requested it before that or before this, and he's been denied. Meanwhile, they're releasing all of these other people that they aren't using. So what's going on with Mustafa Ali? Why won't they release him? The only thing I can think of is that they do see some value 
in Ali, but maybe some disagreement has taken place backstage. They're having creative difficulties. And WWE thinks the relationship is repairable in some way. That's possible. But we know, like, if you, if you pay attention to what Mustafa Ali says in interviews and and uh, things like that, like, he's very big. Like, like he says in his message, I have a message that is much bigger than my dreams in pro wrestling. And Ali has stated many, many times that he wants to be a positive role model for Muslim wrestlers, athletes. And he wants to... He wants to show... You know, because he would have grown up when uh, at a time where if he'd been wrestling, you know, he would have been made to be like a Muhammad Hassan kind of character, you know, a bad guy. And he wanted to reverse those stereotypes in wrestling. That's something that if you listen to Mustafa Ali and in podcast interviews, he's been very adamant about like that's sort of his goal in pro wrestling. And to a certain extent, he's been able to do that a little bit in WWE. But it seems like they're at a creative impasse now. That's the only thing that makes sense, is that Mustafa Ali wants to do one thing. WWE doesn't want to let him do it or wants him to do something else. He doesn't want to do that. So now they're buttonheads and he's not on their programming, but they also won't release him. That's just speculation. All I'm saying is that something different is going on here. Something because under normal circumstances for how WWE operates right now, if he's asking for his release, they'd normally grant it right now. Or he'd just be part of the next round of cuts. So WWE could make it seem like it was their decision. So what's different about Mustafa Ali? What's different about his situation from Tony Storm's? Why were they so willing to cut ties with Tony Storm? She was in a big program with Charlotte Flair at the time. They were willing to cut ties with her, but not willing to cut ties with Mustafa Ali. I think that's very interesting. And unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get all the details about it until Ali's out of the company and on Renee Paquette's podcast. That's probably when we'll find out what exactly is going on here. But all we know right now is that Mustafa Ali has requested his release. And I am going to take that break to poop now. The next bit of news that we should get into here is John Moxley's return to the ring has been announced. Of course, Moxley has been away from uh, anything since uh, early November when it was announced that he would be taking a hiatus to undergo treatment at a drug and alcohol rehab center. And he has been announced as defending the GCW World Championship against Homicide on Sunday at the Hammerstein Ballroom in a match for Game Changer Wrestling. So this is sort of, uh, well, I mean, it's notable in that Moxley is returning, and that's, that's great. We should see him back in AEW shortly. But a lot of people are bringing up that, it's, that AEW is not getting his return match, um, assuming... He doesn't have a match. Like, if he had a match for Dynamite, that's something that they're going to announce ahead of time. Like, maybe he shows up on Dynamite. Who knows? Uh, but he is he is back, right? So he's, he's he's ready to come back. But a lot of people are saying, like, whoa, it's, it's weird that he wouldn't have, that his return has been announced for GCW rather than AEW. 
However, this might be a case of one, he's the GCW world champion. So he's playing a very important role for that company right now. They have their biggest show of all time on Sunday. They've got a sold out show from the Hammerstein ballroom in front of thousands of fans. Well, I think like 2000 fans. It's going to be on traditional pay-per-view in addition to fight TV. And, and uh, so, I mean, it's the biggest show that the company's ever done. It makes a lot of sense for Moxley to be on that show. And he'll return to AEW, I would imagine, shortly after that. But John Moxley is back in a wrestling ring on Sunday. And we'll see where he goes from there. So the lineup for this, the world on GCW show on Sunday. So Moxley versus Homicide. There'll be an ROH World Championship match pitting Jonathan Gresham versus Blake Christian. Uh, Jonathan Gresham also had his Terminus show. So he ran his own show along with Baron Black from Atlanta last night. And he got he defended the ROH World Championship against Josh Alexander on that show. That match actually ended in a double pin. So nobody won, but Gresham retains his title. Then after that match, Bandito, who is the former ROH world champion, but he wasn't able to make the final battle show because I, I think he'd been exposed to COVID or something. Um, so he couldn't make final battle. So they had a match between Gresham and Jay Lethal for the vacant title. But Bandito never lost the title. So Bandito gets face-to-face with Gresham at this show. So it leads me to believe that probably Gresham versus Bandito for the ROH title is going to be the main event for the ROH Supercard of Honor show on April 1st when they return to live events. Anyway, he Gresham will defend the ROH World Championship on Sunday against Blake Christian. Ruby Soho is also taking on Ali Catch. Matt Cardona is taking on Joey Janela. If you've been following either one of these two on social media, they've done a bit of a recreation of the Ric Flair-Randy Savage angle uh, leading up to WrestleMania 8, where Ric Flair claimed to have these pictures that show Elizabeth was his before he w- she was Randy's. And so they've sort of done that with Chelsea Green in the Miss Elizabeth role, Joey Janela in the Ric Flair role, and Matt Cardona in the Randy Savage role. And they've recreated all those photos that they used in that angle, which was like 1992? Yeah, it was in 1992 that that, uh, that angle took place. So a good solid 30 years ago. Also on that show, the Briscoe brothers have an open challenge for the GCW tag team titles. So there will be a mystery team showing up in the Hammerstein ballroom. Uh, Also Bandito, ASF, and Laredo Kid will be going up against Arez, Demonic Flamita, and Gringo Loco. So big show for GCW. GCW, a lot of people saying they are really getting, like, where do they rank now? in terms of like the size of the promotion they are, the popularity of the promotion. Um, are they are they equal to, say, like a, a Ring of Honor, an Impact, an MLW, a, um, a PWG as well? A lot of comparisons there. Because you've got that whole sort of tier of wrestling promotions that 
you wouldn't classify as major league, but they've got a fan base. They've got, you know, hopefully they're profitable to some degree. They're employing wrestlers. Where does GCW rank? Are they bigger than MLW or are they bigger than Impact? Neither MLW or Impact could sell out the Hammerstein Ballroom right now, but GCW did. I mean, that's thousands of fans. Well, I mean, maybe if they had a big show, Impact or MLW could do it. Uh, I don't know. But GCW is definitely sort of gaining some traction in terms of how many people they're drawing for their events. They do a lot of shows on fight. So, you know, it's like 20 bucks. You'll, you'll, you know, not a full price pay-per-view, but people are buying those. So how big of a promotion is GCW? I mean, it certainly helps when you've got John Moxley as the world champion. Matt Cardona has done a lot of stuff in GCW. Jeff Jarrett is there now. So a lot of like it, it seems like for a lot of wrestlers, GCW is the cool place to be. And it's where John Moxley will make his return to the ring after three months, not an AEW ring. So that all takes place next Sunday. So when we do this show a week from today, there will be a lot of things to talk about in terms of GCW's big show from the Hammerstein Ballroom. Next up, Amy Dumas, Lita, is returning to the wrestling ring. She seems like she's about to embark on one last run in the wrestling business. She's only 46 years old, which is like nothing in wrestling terms now. People are wrestling well into their 50s. She has had a lot of neck problems throughout her career. Although it seems like we're now at a place where uh, if she can just sort of work safely, do her DDP yoga, which I'm, I'm sure she might do. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure she might do it. I'm sure that some things might be occurring. I'm sure of it. But So Lita had an in-ring segment where uh, she was with Charlotte Flair. She ended up giving Flair the twist of fate. And she talked about how she's got one last run in her. She's going to be in the Royal Rumble match on uh, January 29th from St. Louis is when that show is going to take place. And a report came out. And this is based on anonymous sources speaking on the condition of anonymity to Fightful that Lita. And again, we don't know. We don't know who the source is or what their role is or if they're qualified to say that this information is legit. But apparently Lita negotiated with AEW back in the fall about potentially returning to the ring but doing it for that company. And evidently the two sides were not able to come to a deal. How this played into her negotiations for a return with WWE is unclear. Was she maybe thinking like, okay, I got one last run in me. I'll send out feelers to WWE. I'll send out feelers to AEW and we'll see what each side is offering. And WWE came in with the winning bid. That seems like it's what happened with Edge. Maybe that's what happened with Lita as well. So it's not really clear. Like, it, So Lita's going to be back for the Rumble. But is she going to do stuff after that? Like, is she going to be in the Rumble, build up some angle, and then have a big match at WrestleMania? Because you could certainly do that. You could certainly have Lita versus like a, like a Sasha Banks at WrestleMania. 
I mean, Sasha Banks is injured right now. She's out for, I think it was like six to eight weeks dating back to January 7th because she was injured on a house show. So she'll be back in time for WrestleMania, but she won't really have time to build up an angle. Like, she's not going to be in the Royal Rumble. She's going to miss it. She's going to miss the pay-per-view in February as well. So she'll be back. She'll be back in WWE just in time for WrestleMania, but not really to build up a big angle. So you could do like Lita versus Sasha Banks. You could do Lita versus, uh, you know, any any big name woman who's not going to be in either of the title pictures could have sort of a legends match against Lita in the same way that Charlotte Flair had a match against Trish Stratus. Or you could go all the way with Lita and have Lita win the Rumble and challenge somebody for a title shot at WrestleMania. I think a lot of fans would like to see that. But there's a lot of different things that could happen at the Rumble. You've got Charlotte Flair entering it herself. Um, I'm, You know, maybe Becky Lynch sees that the SmackDown champion is entering the Royal Rumble and she's going to enter the Rumble herself. Anyway, the news coming out was... Just that while it, while Lita is returning to the ring for WWE, the reports are that she negotiated with AEW before she re-signed with WWE. Next up, a very interesting story. Well, I don't know if it's very interesting. It is a interesting story. And whether or not you want to decide if it's very interesting is uh, something that you can decide. So the Toronto Star did a story on AEW and AEW getting into the pro wrestling marketplace. AEW's, I, I'm recording this from Toronto. AEW's very popular in Canada. There's a lot of Canadian talent on the show. Obviously, Kenny Omega, Chris Jericho, uh, Sean Spears. I'm sure a bunch I'm forgetting. Ali. Lots of lots of Canadian wrestlers are on that show, and it airs on TSN, and it gets good ratings. So the Toronto Star is doing an article about AEW getting into the marketplace, and they reached out to WWE for comment. And WWE commented on AEW, and they wanted to make it clear that they don't consider themselves as in the same business as AEW. They think what AEW puts on is a little bit too gory and bloody and they seem like they want to take the moral high ground of well our wrestling's not as violent we don't have people blading and bleeding all over the place so here is the statement that wwe sent to the toronto star wwe said if you look at the gory self-mutilation that bloodied several women in the december 31st event on tnt it quickly becomes clear that these are very different businesses we had an edgier product in the Attitude Era, and in a 2022 world, we don't believe that type of dangerous and brutal display is appealing to network partners, sponsors, venues, children, or the general public as a whole. Now, this might seem a little odd, because WWE has had bloody matches before. Vince McMahon has bladed his forehead before, but they are saying like, okay, well now in a 2022 world, we don't think that this is a good way of doing things. But Vince McMahon has, like Vince McMahon seems like he's very against blading. And if you don't know what blading is, it's the act of taking like a small razor blade, cutting your forehead and making blood come down so the match looks bloody and awesome and fun. 
and on Rampage on the December 31st show. So the match that they're referring to in this statement was Ty J, Ty Conti, and Anna J versus Penelope Ford and the Bunny. And that was like a big bloody street fight. Now they could have made reference to Hangman Page versus Brian Danielson on Dynamite two weeks ago, which was also a very bloody match. But they opted instead to... Well, I mean, I guess we also don't know when they sent this quote in, but um, they made a point of, of bringing up the women's street fight that was like a big bloody battle because you don't see, like, traditionally, you don't see as many women wrestlers blading or bleeding in a match. But there was a lot of that in, in that street fight. And so Ty Conti, Anna Jay, a few others, they took to, to social media to kind of respond to this. So Ty Conti just sent out a tweet, which has her saying, ha, 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 and then the emoji of blowing a kiss. And it's her backstage from after that match. Her face is all bloodied up, and she's just giving the camera a middle finger. So Ty Conti, who... Ty Conti is an interesting story when you look at the differences between WWE and AEW because she was in WWE forever. She was in NXT and they did nothing with her, like nothing. She'd come in and she'd lose from time to time. And they played, oh, this is this jujitsu expert from Brazil or Taekwondo expert or judo or whatever it is. I think it was judo. She's a judo expert. Um, but they did basically nothing with her. Then she gets released and becomes a huge part of AEW's women's division. Like, Ty Conti is perennial top contender, always involved in big storylines. People love her. And it, it's just the, the, like, it's the perfect example of WWE saw nothing in her, AEW saw everything in her, and now she's doing lots of stuff for this show. And, like, her career has benefited so much from being released by WWE. Anna Jay also released a, uh, a, like, well, she just put out a tweet that was her and Ty Conti giving the thumbs up and they're both bloody. As for Anna Jay, I mean, Anna Jay is just someone who was training with QT Marshall when the pandemic hit. They needed some faces that were around that area that could come in, and that's how she ended up getting her job with AEW. She's got a following now, like, fans are behind her. She's got her tag team with. Ty Conti, so things working out really well for Anna Jay as well. The Bunny posted uh, some pictures of her. Nobody was bleeding more in that in that match than the Bunny Alley, uh, who is from Toronto, uh, where this article came out. She's from the Toronto area. She used to wrestle as uh, uh, well. She wrestled in Toronto a lot, but before she got to Impact and Impact renamed her Alley, she was named Cherry Bomb, and you know. So anyway, she did a lot of stuff in the Toronto scene. So did like all of the Buffalo guys like because uh, she's from Toronto, but she's married to the Blade who was Pepper Parks. And so all of those Buffalo kids. So the Butcher, the Blade, Daniel Garcia, they would come to Toronto quite a bit, uh, you know. And so that's why like 2.0 is from Montreal. So that's pretty close to Buffalo as well. So that's why those guys are all fairly much aligned. But so Vince McMahon, so WWE is definitely running with the the idea that they've got the moral high ground because they don't produce these kinds of bloody matches anymore. 
and actually this is consistent with how Vince McMahon has responded to competition in the past. Vince McMahon was very critical of WCW when that war first started going head to head. There are letters that Vince McMahon sent to Ted Turner that have since become public where Vince McMahon is berating Ted Turner for allowing self-mutilation to take place on WCW programming. And by self-mutilation, he's talking about the act of blading, like cutting your head open with a razor blade and making blood come out. Vince McMahon seems to have seems to have hated this for 25 years. He's I'm pretty sure he's done it himself. But all the same, he has consistently uh, talked about blading and self-mutilation as, as something that's bad for the wrestling business. And he's doing it again in 2022 in terms of this statement that was given to the Toronto Star. Another story that came out recently that we should talk about is regarding all of the releases that took place in NXT 2.0 recently, most notably William Regal. And if there's anybody whose release has been something that fans have been critical about, that something that uh, people in the wrestling industry have been critical about, a lot of people are saying, like, how do you release William Regal with all that knowledge of wrestling he has, all the respect that he's garnered throughout his career? How do you get rid of William Regal? How do you say there's not a role for William Regal in our company? Well, Tommy Dreamer was on Busted Open Radio, where he's a co-host, and he also works backstage for Impact Wrestling. He was on Busted Open Radio recently and said that he reached out to William Regal to let him know that if he wants it, there's a job waiting for him in Impact, Re- in Impact Wrestling. So Dreamer said, Regal, the moment I heard, I shot him a text and said, if you want to be a commentator at Impact or if you want to be a general manager figure, just let me know. He will have something when he chooses to. So, if we don't see William Regal go to, say, a bigger promotion, say, like an AEW, he's got a spot for him in Impact Wrestling. So, it's not like we're going to have to go too much longer without William Regal as part of one wrestling show taking place. Ever since NXT became NXT 2.0, we've had no William Regal. Well, in 30 days, maybe 90 days, maybe he doesn't have one of those no-compete clauses. But at some point, William Regal will be returning to wrestling programming. And that's good for wrestling. So some, some potentially big news is taking place in terms of the lawsuit that MLW has filed against WWE. And so what MLW is uh, alleging is that WWE interfered with negotiations it had with the Tubi streaming service and also with Vice TV. So basically Tubi is a streaming service, but it's also owned by Fox. And so MLW was in negotiations with Tubi to put their programming on it and they did they had teased that they were going to make this big announcement uh i'm not i mean to be i guess is popular i mean it's not like huge news or anything like this but evidently what mlw is claiming is that someone from wwe called Tubi or called fox and was outraged that this was taking place because smackdown is on fox and so they they said 
you know, you've you've got to kill this MLW deal because Vince McMahon's very upset. And according to the documents MLW filed, representatives from Tubi from Fox even said, hey, this is this is illegal what you're doing. You, <laughs> you know, you you can't do this. But the decision, evidently, uh, people at Fox or people at Tubi decided, OK, well, it's just too much risk here if we're going to end up uh, infuriating Vince McMahon and WWE when SmackDown is airing on Fox and bringing in millions of viewers every week. So MLW is, is saying, OK, well, WWE cost us that revenue, that Tubi revenue. And also as part of their complaint, they're saying, like, our popularity decreased after that. In part because, you know, like we made an announcement that that this big thing is going to happen and then it didn't happen and it affected our business. And they're also claiming that they had this deal with Vice TV and WWE uh, worked to get them thrown off Vice TV as well. So Vice had wanted to bring in a wrestling show to air after episodes of Dark Side of the Ring. So they struck a deal with MLW. However, the television ratings for that show reportedly were not very good. Like Vice wanted or was hoping that MLW would keep about half of the Dark Side of the Ring audience. And they weren't able to do that. They ended up getting about less than 30% of the viewers that uh, were watching Dark Side of the Ring. So, but what MLW is alleging is that WWE let Vice TV know that they were very unhappy that MLW was going to be on their their programming. Now, WWE doesn't have a business relationship that anyone's aware of with Vice TV. However, and those Dark Side of the Ring episodes are very critical of stuff that happens in WWE, but it it's possible that some arrangement between the two, the Vice and WWE, has been met because... There is so much WWE content on those those shows. Um, so is there some agreement between Vice TV and WWE that the public's not aware of and WWE use that as leverage so that Vice TV would end its deal with MLW? Because MLW just did the one show after Dark Side of the Ring and they've never been back on the network. So MLW is alleging that WWE sabotaged that deal. Now, WWE's lawyer, Jerry McDivitt, responded to questions from Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer and sent a statement about WWE's response to this lawsuit. However, he noted, hey, we haven't been officially served yet, so I haven't seen the lawsuit. But McDivitt said regarding the Tubi deal, he said if Tubi breached, then MLW should be suing Tubi, not WWE. As for Vice, WWE has no commercial relationship with them, or for that matter, any of the other dozens of content distribution entities with whom MLW could do a deal with if they had a commercially viable product. So basically, Jerry McDivitt, WWE's lawyer, is saying, we don't have any dealings whatsoever with Vice, so how would we prevent MLW from doing a deal with Vice? And we also don't have deals with any of the other content distribution entities, so channels, streaming services, that MLW could get on if they had a viable product. So taking a little shot at MLW saying, hey, you don't have a viable product. And he continued to say that. He said, they put a show on Vice. If my memory serves me correctly, after one of the dark side shows, 
uh, it lost most of the audience. I think I read they got 40,000 viewers. No wonder Vice did no further deal. So basically saying that WWE didn't sabotage that deal. The low ratings for MLW sabotaged that deal. But we're going to just see what happens over the next couple of years as this lawsuit dry, uh, drags on. WWE will try to get it thrown out, of course. But we'll just see where everything goes. MLW seems uh, fairly convinced that they have a case here. It has been a bit of an update on the most recent legal problems faced by Tammy Sitch, a.k.a. Sunny. So she was arrested recently and charged with two counts of carrying an illegal weapon and one count of making a terroristic threat. So according to a report from TMZ, she made threats against an individual with a pair of scissors. So that's basically what she's been arrested for this time. Of course, Sunny just got out of jail back in June. She had spent a year in the Monmouth Correctional Facility where she was briefly housed recently, but she's, she's now out. Uh, but she was there from June of 2020 to June of 2021 on various DUI charges and parole violations. Uh, so these most recent charges, not DUI related, she threatened somebody with a pair of scissors. So she faces a maximum of 3.5 years in jail. Somehow I don't think she's she's going to get anywhere near to that. Um, but regardless, she was arrested yet again and is facing even more legal problems. And with that, we should just go over some of the matches that are scheduled upcoming this week in the world of professional wrestling. So WWE Raw, the 1495th edition of the show will take place tonight from the BOK Center in Tulsa, Oklahoma, or the Box Center. Anyway, uh, no matches announced for tonight's show. Becky Lynch is going to react to Dewdrop being the new number one contender for her title. Bobby Lashley is going to respond to Locke, Brock Lesnar, just to Brock Lesnar's joking about him last week. And RK Bro are going to react to their title loss to the Alpha Academy last week. Uh, then coming up on SmackDown, there's just one match announced, and that's Charlotte versus Naomi in non-title action. And for AEW, their show coming up on Wednesday has six matches. This will be from the Entertainment and Sports Arena in Washington, D.C. What a creatively named building they're going to be performing in uh, this Wednesday. The Entertainment and Sports Arena in Washington, D.C. Scheduled for that show will be CM Punk versus Sean Spears as they continue the CM Punk versus MJF storyline. Adam Cole and Britt Baker are going to team up. They're going to take on Chris Statlander and Orange Cassidy from The Best Friends. Serena Deeb is going to face Sky Blue. Sting and Darby Allin are going to team up to face The Acclaimed. Malachi Black and Brody King are going to team up for the first time in AEW to take on the Varsity Blondes. And Lee Johnson and Brock Anderson from The Nightmare Family is going to take on FTR. Also scheduled for Wednesday, Cody Rhodes is set to return. And with that, you are completely up to date with everything that's going on in the world of professional wrestling, minus anything that could potentially spoil the future storylines, angles, match results, or, or more for you. Don't forget to like this video and click the subscribe button. I'm Gentleman Ian for Spoiler Free Wrestling.